Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. It's coming up. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you need to be here during the month of November. Come on, tell them. Amen. I want you to begin to make plans right now to invite all your family and friends, saved and unsaved, those that you know that are close to God and those that are far away from God. I need you to make plans right now to invite them to join you in church on November the 23rd. Everybody say, November the 23rd. And you say, well, why? Well, here's why, and I'll tell you. I'm not going to give you all the details, but let me just tell you uh, why they need to be here. You need to go up to your, your family members and your friends and say, you need to be in church with me on November 23rd because I'm preaching that morning. All right? And so you come prepared to preach on the 23rd. I'll explain more about that on the 16th, and so you won't be freaking out and trying to get you a, a word and all that stuff. We're gonna, I'm going to help you preach on that Sunday morning, and you guys are going to be preaching. And we are just believing that God is going to bring people back to him, and that is what's going to happen. It will be one of the most powerful things I believe you've ever been a part of or ever chosen to, to participate in. So please join us there. Well, it's uh, the Halloween season. And I'm not a big guy on Halloween that much, but uh, since it is close to Halloween, I wanted to scare you. So we put a scary scene up on the on the on the uh, screens there, and you can kind of look at each other and try to scare each other every once in a while. I know that's scary, you know, in the cemetery and all this stuff. We're going to talk this morning about grave consequences, and I want you to join me, if you will, to, in John chapter 11. I realize that this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. You've probably listened to it, read it, uh, heard children's stories about it. You've known, if you've been in church more than three weeks, you've probably heard this account. But I want us to kind of look at it a little differently this morning and, and uh, kind of go over it again, make sure that we see what's going on. So if you would jo join me in John chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha, and it was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going to go there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 28. 
And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews were, who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Favorite memory verse as you were growing up because it's easy to remember. You got the star on the, on the chart. You got the prize because you could quote it. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Can I just stop right there real briefly and just say this? I am so glad that we serve a Savior and a Lord who is moved by what moves us. I'm so glad that when I'm broken and when I'm discouraged and when things aren't going right and everything's not lining up and when I'm broken in my spirit, I know without a shadow of a doubt that what moves me moves him and Jesus weeps when I weep. That may not mean anything to you and you may not care about that and the people around you may not care about that, but I am thankful in my own life that when I was at my broken place, I know that Jesus had compassion and was broken for me. I'm encouraged by that. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes this morning about the idea of grave consequences. Let me say this to you before we get going here. I understand that none of us like to be stereotyped. I don't want to be stereotyped. I don't want to be placed in any particular group. I don't want to be placed there based on my gender. I don't want to be placed there based on my race. I don't want to be placed there on any other uh, reason or thinking. I don't want people just to put me in the short crowd. And I don't want people just to put me in the bald crowd. And I don't want people just to put me in the white crowd. None of us like to be stereotyped and pigeonholed and placed in a box. But let me just say to you, this morning that out of this account that takes place in John chapter 11 I believe that what is taking place in this account should reveal to us that there are three particular groups of people that spend time in the presence of God in fact what I am challenging you to do this morning as we go back through this story for a few minutes I want you to find yourself in this story 
Sometimes we hear this story so often and we've read this story so often and we've encountered this particular passage so often that we no longer find ourselves or place ourselves in this story. But I've got words for you this morning. You're in this story whether you like it or not. You are there. It's just a matter of discerning where we are. We need to find ourselves. There are three basic groups of people represented in this account. The first one is this. Out of verse 21, says this, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then she goes on and she said, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there for four days. The first group of people sitting under the sound of my voice are people who think Jesus is too late. Think about it just a moment. The Jews thought and had the belief that once a person had been dead for three days, their soul escaped them. Their soul was gone from that moment on. And what they are basically saying is, my soul, that my brother's soul is gone. You're too late, Jesus. If you'd have got here when he just had a bad headache, everything would have been okay. If you'd have gotten here when he had a bad fever, you could have probably solved that situation. If you could have gotten here just before the, the little blip on the radar screen went... If you'd have got here before then, we wouldn't be having this conversation and everything would be all right. There would be a solution. There would be something that you could accomplish. But Jesus, you were too late. You didn't show up on time. I want you to put yourself in that story because for most of us, what, we have just, what we've come to the place to in our own life is this. We think Jesus is too late. Jesus, if you'd have gotten here before my heart was broken, I could walk and work and serve you. Jesus, if you'd got here before my marriage dissolved into divorce, I could do what you've called me to do. Jesus, if you'd gotten to me before all the addiction started and all the pain started in my life, I could serve you. Jesus, if you'd got to me before sickness wrecked my body and devastated my body, I could serve you. Jesus, if you'd come on the scene before somebody disappointed me and hurt me and caused me to go into a state of de depression, I could serve you. Jesus, if you would have gotten to me before I buried my children, I would serve you. Jesus, if you'd have gotten to me before I buried my parents or my grandparents, this wouldn't be happening, but you're just too late if you had been here. How many times do we look at Jesus and say, Jesus, if you'd have been here? You fill in the blank of what your if is. How many of you know that most of us have a lot of ifs? I could serve God if. I wouldn't be addicted if. I could break the habit if. I could, do my, I could fulfill my purpose and my destiny if. I could do all these great things for God if. I could have victory in my life if. I could live for Him and impact the community if. And we make all these excuses, but I want to say to you this morning, Jesus knows all about what caused your if. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick and he decided to stay two, two days longer. And when he finally turns to the disciples and say, let's go find Lazarus, he doesn't say, I got a telegram, I got, I got a letter in the mail, I didn't get a phone call, nobody paged me, nobody called my cell phone and said, Lazarus is now dead. No, 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 Jesus had inside information. Jesus knew that Lazarus was already dead. He knew before it all happened. He wasn't surprised by his death. He knew that he was dead. What I'm going to say to you this morning is this. I don't know what caused your pain, and I don't know what caused you to have heartache, and I don't know what has caused the devastation of your life, and I don't know what keeps you up at night, and I don't know what causes you to cry yourself to sleep in the middle of the night, and I don't know what depresses you and keeps you downtrodden and downcast. All I know is this. Jesus is never late. He might not always be early, but he's always right on time. If we could understand that he understands our if, he understands what caused it, we got to move past our if 
If we can ever get past the idea that he was too late, if we can ever get past our if, there will be grave consequences. Why do you think Jesus is late? What have you boxed off in your own life and said, I could have done this, this, and this, but you weren't here on time? The second group of people that we find in this account is, is one I probably need to illustrate so that you understand. Come here, Woody. Woody's going to be Lazarus. Woody is dead. Lay down, Woody. You're dead. Don't breathe. All right. Well, got to cover that up for sure. I'm messing. He's dead. All right. Understand what's going on here. He's not in a coma. He's not in some state where, where you know, it's never. No, 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 no. He's dead. The funeral has been preached. The dirt has been thrown. The flowers have been placed. They've already put the obituary in the local newspaper. He is dead. If you were in North Carolina, South Carolina, they've already had the wake and eaten all the barbecue they can stand to eat because that's what they do in North Carolina. I, I don't know why they do that, but they get together the night before the funeral and they, they go hog, hog wild. That's a poor choice of words. But they, they eat it like crazy, and it's like a big family reunion. I haven't figured it out, but that's what's happened. He is dead. There is no hope. He is gone. His, his spirit is gone. He is dead now you gotta bump that up against the fact that when jesus shows up on the scene he says where have you laid him and they say come on show we'll take you and they go and they take him to this tomb and they roll the stone back and i need you to get this picture in your mind here is a dead man and jesus walks on to the scene now this is not an ordinary man that just showed up this is jesus this is the son of the living god in flesh this is God incarnate. This is the same man who's already interrupted two funerals, who's already turned water into wine, who's already performed countless other miracles, who has so much power in his presence that when a woman sneaks up behind him and grabs the tip of his robe, he didn't touch her, she touched him, and instantly a sickness that has been in her life for decades dries up instantly because he has so much power in his presence. And Jesus, this is the same Jesus that has already said about himself, I am the 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 truth, the lie, the truth, the way, and the yeah, way, truth, life. Thank you. Got all tangled up there. He's all three of those. He says that about himself. That's not what anybody else said about him. He says himself, "I am the person that can produce life." Are y'all with me? That's the individual who showed up on the scene, and that's the individual that is dealing with this dead body. But I want you to notice this: that's whose presence is there. Jesus' presence is in the room, and he's still dead. His presence has changed absolutely nothing. Because, see, the second group of people that, that we find ourselves surrounded by, and some of you may be in this position, is many of us are immune to his presence. See, the truth is, is that we get together and we worship and we pray and we sing and his presence comes down and we feel the goosebumps and we, we sense his presence in the room and we're all excited about it and we go home and nothing changes. Come on, I know most of you have been in service after service. You've been in conference after conference. You've experienced powerful praise and worship. You've been, experienced the presence of God. But the truth is, is that most of us come into that presence and we walk right out and get in our car and we still deal with the same addictions, the same attitudes, the same habits, the same prejudice, the same anger, the same hurt, the same pain because His presence doesn't change anything. Oh, some of y'all ain't liking this. I'm just telling you what the Word teaches us. His presence changed nothing. But at the moment, this happens. Lazarus, Woody, 
rise. Instantly. Thank you, Woody. Instantly. His presence changed nothing, but his word changed everything. And I want to say to you this morning that you need more than his presence. I want you to anticipate his presence. I want you to long for his presence. I want you to engage his presence. I want you to encounter his presence. I want you coming in here ready to get into his presence. But I want you to hear me this morning. Just experiencing his presence is not enough. You need his word. That The centurion must have understood that because he said, you know what, Jesus, you've got so much power in your word. I don't need you to come into my house. I don't need you to darken the doorstep of my house. All you've got to do is send your word, and my servant will be made well. Just speak a word. There's so much power in your word. If I could just get your word, I'll be all right. The psalmist must have understood it because the psalmist said, you sent your word. You didn't send me a goosebump. You didn't send me a shout. You didn't send me a dance. You didn't send me a tape. What you sent me is you sent me one word. And that one word healed my disease. The Bible declares that his presence will not return void, right? No, it doesn't. It says his word will never return void. We need his word. His word is our sustenance. His word is what nourishes us. His word is what gives a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. It is his word that we must live on. In fact, the Bible says that we live on every word that proceeds out of his mouth. I came by to tell some of you that you've grown immune to his presence. You might be able to ignore his presence, but you cannot ignore his word. In fact, what I'm saying to you this morning is that what needs to happen to most of you is you need to hear him call you by name. You need to hear him one more time say, Scott, and call him by name. You need to hear him one more time say, Steve, and I hear him calling by my name. By my, by my name. I need to hear God's voice crying out and say, Santosh, one more time. I need to hear his word cry out my name because I might be able to ignore all the goosebumps and all the thrills and all the adrenaline of his presence, but how can you ignore the voice that threw stars into space? How can you avoid? ignore the voice that created a universe how how can that happen you cannot do it i remind you that jesus himself found himself in a storm he was on a boat and it became rocky and it became shaky and it looked like the boat was going down jesus's presence didn't change anything but the moment that jesus stood up and said peace be still the waters responded and obeyed i don't know what storm you're going through this morning And I don't know what storm you're facing at home. And I don't know what storm's been going on in your life throughout the week. All I know is this. Just getting in his presence won't fix it. Just getting in his presence won't work it all out. What you need this morning is you need to tune your ear one more time. The Bible says that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. You need to tune in for that still, small voice. His voice is not in the earthquake. His voice is not in the whirlwind. His voice is not in the fire. His voice is not in the jumping and the dancing. His voice, that still, small voice is in his word. We need his word. My question to you this morning is, have you become immune to his presence? And if your answer is yes, the only solution is this. You need his word. I've grown accustomed to his presence. I know when his presence is in the room and I know when his presence is not. I can. How many of you are professional worshipers like I am? Come on, I, I don't know what y'all listen to in the car, but I listen to worship. I'm constantly in his presence, and I've grown immune to his presence if I'm not careful. But there's something about when I hear him speak my name, changes everything. The third group of people are represented in this story is this. The Bible says that Jesus calls him by name, but something interesting happens. How many of you know when you hear God call you by name, you have to respond? 
you can ignore his presence, but when, when I hear him say, Steve, I realize I, I better take some notice. He's talking to me, right? Most of you have responded to his voice. That's why you're here this morning. You're here because you heard him calling your name. I want to say this to you. His voice will change your life forever. If you've ever heard him call you one time, your life will be messed up from that point forward. The problem is, 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 is this. A lot of us find ourselves in this place that Lazarus found himself. He was alive, but he was still bound. He responded to Jesus' voice, but he walks out of the tomb like this. He looked like the mummy on Halloween. He was wrapped from head to toe. He wasn't free. He was better off than he was. It's better to be alive than to be dead, don't you think? But what's the deal, Jesus? Do you expect him to live the rest of his life like a mummy? No, 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 no. Jesus steps in and he says, you know what? He is alive. But my word says this. Behold, old things have passed away and all things are supposed to be new. Let somebody grab those grave clothes and get unwrap him, release him, and let him go. See, what I'm concerned about is that most of us who have heard his word continue to find ourselves walking alive but bound. The things that should have dropped off of us 10 years ago or 15 years ago or last year, the elements of our life, the issues of our life that should have fallen off the chain the grave clothes, the depression, the anger, the hate, the drug addiction, the habits. It should have fallen off us a long time ago. But we keep dragging around grave clothes. And we're alive, but we're bound. And my question to you is this, this morning is this. Why would anybody want what you've got if all you are is alive? If you're not free, they're not going to want what you've got. Because the Bible says that Jesus... Where Jesus comes into our, our, our lives, the Bible says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. In other words, what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to come into a house like this and hear His voice call you by name and respond. And when you do, the, dra- the grave clothes begin to fall off and you can walk out of here not only alive, but free. The Bible says that Jesus said, I've come to give you life, but not just life. I came to give you life more abundantly, free life, so that you walk at a different level than everybody else. You can't do that if you're wrapped up in grave clothes. I'm preaching this morning. Some of you still dealing with the same temptations that you dealt with when you first got saved. Some of you still fall into the same snares and schemes of the enemy that you fell to 20 years ago when you got saved. Some of you have convinced yourself that I'm always going to have to deal with this. I'm always going to have to put up with this. I'm always going to fall. I struggle with this temptation. Can I just tell you from the word of the Lord this morning that that is a lie from the pit of hell. You're not called to drag grave clothes around with you for the rest of your life. You can go free. I don't want you just to walk out of here alive. I want you to walk out of here in freedom and I want you to get rid of the grave clothes. It's time to get out of the counselor's office that you've been talking to for the last 25 years saying, I'm never going to make it. I don't know if I can deal with it. What am I? I know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get a word from the Lord that not only produces life in you, but produces freedom in you. Go free. Here's the dilemma. You can't get free by yourself. Notice in the story, if you will, and then I'll be done. The Bible says that when he walks, he waddles out. See, what Jesus wants to do this morning is he wants to heal your hobble. He wants to liberate you from your limp. That thing that's hamstrung you for so long, he wants to get rid of it once and for all. The problem is is that when Lazarus walks out, he can't move. How many of you have ever been wrapped up in saran wrap? Anybody ever had that happen to you? You're fortunate. (laughs) 
We used to take saran wrap to camp, and when the counselors would go to sleep, we would saran wrap them to their bed. You can't get out of that stuff. I don't. I mean, you put it on thinking that's great, man. He can't help himself. Here's the dilemma this morning. We need somebody that has enough life in them that they can lean over and help somebody else go free. Jesus responds, somebody go and release him and let him go. Set him free and let him. I want to tell you this morning, I want to prophetically remind you this morning, this, we have been given power according to the word of God. We have the power to bind. We have a binding hand and we have a loosing hand. The Bible says that whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed on heaven. In, in heaven, what I am saying to you is that God is positioning us and assigning us to, to operate in that authority authority and it is my obligation to find people around me who are bound yes they may be alive yes they may have had an encounter with God but they're dragging around grave clothes it is my responsibility and my obligation to find those kind of people and walk up to them and unleash them and unwrap them and release them so they can walk into freedom that is my obligation and that is your obligation but you can't do that if you're walking around bound I want to say this to you this morning. If you would go free, there would be grave consequences. Can you imagine the impact and the repercussions of your life? Right now in your own mind, go into your environment. Whether you're a student, if you're a student in college, go to your college class. If you're, if you're a little older and you're in workplace, go ahead and in your mind, just go to your workplace. Can you imagine the impact and the difference that would take place in those environments if you were free? Oh, if so-and-so at work would get over their drug addiction and their alcoholism and their anger problems, we would have an incredible work environment. Yeah, yeah, I understand about them. I'm asking about you. I'm asking what would your work environment be like if you were really free? Not just alive, free. How would that impact those around you and change the environment that you're working in? So what I am declaring to you this morning is that too many of us think that Jesus was too late. We think he missed it. We think he showed up way too late, and so now we are devastated, and we live bound by that. And Jesus, if you would just got here on time. But many of us have come to the place where we're immune to his presence. And we come in here, and we sense his presence, and we enjoy his presence, and we pursue his presence. We don't think we've had church unless we experience his presence. But I came to tell you this morning, you need more than his presence. You need his word. And many of us find ourselves in the place where we are alive but bound. I don't want you to walk around in grave clothes. I don't want you to live on the goosebumps. Oh, man, come in here and worship yourself silly. Climb walls, swing from whatever you can swing from, run the back of the chairs, spin, dance. But hear me this morning. More importantly than that, I want you to tune your spirit back to hear his voice. And last, hear me. I don't know what you've gone through that you think surprised Jesus and caught him off guard. And I don't know what excuse you've been using to say, Jesus, if you'd have met me before then, I'd be a different mm -mm. He's never late. He's never late. I want you to stand with me this morning. Father, this morning,
Oh, God, I sense this. God, I sense this. There's somebody under the sound of my voice that has disqualified themselves because of what happened to them. They thought you were nowhere around, but your word declares that you work everything together for our good. Your word declares that you're the author and the finisher. Your word declares that you knew our end from our beginning. Before it ever happened, you knew it. You had inside information. God, I pray this morning you'd help somebody get past the riff. I pray that you'd help somebody to understand that you had it all under control. Yes, it hurt. Yes, it devastated me. Yes, it broke me. Yes, it caused pain. Yes, it caused me to be discouraged. But I refuse to allow that thing to cause me to miss the plan and the purposes you have for my life. I get past my if this morning. Father, I pray that you'd help somebody this morning that's become so accustomed to your presence. I pray that instead of waiting on your presence this morning, I pray that what they would do is they would begin to hear your voice. God, I know that in our society, there are voices crying out to us all the time. It's noise, it's confusion, it's chaos. So many voices crying. God, I pray this morning you would tune our ears back to you once again. And I pray that we would once again be able to hear that still, small voice that changes everything. God, I pray that for that person that's standing under the sound of my voice that's been trying to live off of your presence, they've been living from week to week, and if I can get enough of your presence on Sunday, I might be able to make it to next Sunday. God, I pray this morning they would move beyond your presence and they would hear your word. I pray that right now you'd begin to call out their name. Call them by name. Finally, Father, I pray that if we're standing in this place and we're alive, we'd testify we're alive, but we're still dragging old, dead grave clothes that we were supposed to discard so many years ago. If we're still dragging around temptations and anger and hate and brokenness and sickness and addictions and pains and habits. Father, I pray this morning you would help us to go free. Let there be grave consequences this morning. In Jesus' name. This is what I want us to do this morning a little different. I want you to turn here in just a moment to your neighbor. And I want you to ask them, do you fit in one of those three categories? You don't need to know which category. It's not, it's not about you having knowledge of it. Jesus already knows about it. But sometimes we need somebody to come alongside us and help us. I've been there when I couldn't do it on my own. I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them, do you fit in one of those three categories? Because if you do, hear me, this is what, here's the action point. If you do, here's the covenant I'll make with you. I will respond with you for prayer and together we're going to go and together we're going to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work through us and we're going to walk into freedom today together
So this is how I need you to do Right now, I want you to be bold. I want you to find somebody standing next to you, and I want you to just look them square in the eye and say, are you in one of those three categories? And if they say yes, I want you to take them by the hand, and I want you to bring them, and I want you just to stand right here. We're going to pray together this morning. We won't take long. We're not going to drag it out, but we are going to pray. Come on. Talk to your neighbor right now. I know it's going to take boldness. I know it's going to take some guts. I need to walk into freedom this morning. been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.